Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another week, and the NFL draft is just under two weeks away as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 98. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with you. We opened up the phone lines and allowed you at home to call into the show this week and drive the conversation. I saved the very best calls for this podcast so that we could hit on a number of interesting topics. So we'll get to that at the top of the show. Next up, we've got Scouting Report, where we went to Twitter to find out who all of you wanted to hear our notes on as we get closer to the NFL draft. And you guys suggested a a prospect that I've gotten a ton of questions about. But before we get into that, let's not waste any more time. Let's see what all of you wanted to talk about as the NFL draft inches closer and closer. Let's get to that chat now in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, so I wanted to try something a little bit different this week for Chalk Talk. You know, we could have gotten some guests, and we're going to continue to get guests as the offseason progresses. But I thought with the draft so close that I would kind of open the phone lines up to you guys at home, and you guys can call in. We can drive the conversation. We can talk about prospects. We can talk about how they fit, where we're at in the draft process, what's going on with potential trades moving up or down in the draft, anything you guys wanted to talk about. So I wanted to open up the phone lines. 215-339-6709 is the number to call always if you want to call into our Eagles Network shows. And I wanted to talk about whatever it is that you guys wanted to discuss. So let's get to our first question. We'll go rapid fire here all the way up until the start of Scouting Report. All right, our first question comes from Rob in Philadelphia. What's up, Rob? Hot show. Glad to be a part of it. Just wanted to get to a couple of things. Let's talk uh, some serious draft talk first. First and foremost, if all the wideouts are on the board, the first round guy, you know the name, who are you taking and why? I mean, I personally, I've always said that I like Corey Davis, but I think with all three players, I think you get really dynamic talents at the wide receiver position. You've got the size from Mike Williams. You've got the speed from John Ross. Corey Davis is so polished. I think all three players offer a lot of value for teams in the top 20. The thing with Ross you have to worry about is the injuries, and teams will make that decision on their own. But I think with all three players, you've got a lot of really intriguing options in terms of the wide receiver position. All right, let's go with my second question. Do you believe, like I do, that what we're hearing right now about the quarterback slipping is a bit of a ruse and that one, if not two of them, will go higher than you would expect? I think if you look at the quarterback position in this draft, I think really the it's going to be, be the beauty of being in the eye of the beholder. So you've got guys like Deshaun Watson who have proven it over a longer sample of uh, of games here, and then you've got guys with such a small sample size and a Mitch Trubisky with only one year starting, Deshaun Kaiser a year and a half starting. I think really the big thing that you want to look at is ultimately the traits and what they show. And every team, after meeting with these players and going through all the film over the last few months, they're going to make that decision and say, you know what, is this the guy we want to hitch our wagon to? Now, ultimately, I think that quarterbacks typically get pumped up the board. But if you look in years past, I remember the, the year that Teddy Bridgewater and Johnny Manziel came out, a lot of those guys slipped into the latter part of round one, even into round two. We saw that with Derek Carr in that same draft. So I'm very anxious to see how high they go. Obviously, Eagles fans should be very excited about the idea of more than one, possibly two quarterbacks going before they pick 14th overall to bump other players down the board. 
Well, that's where I'm at. And I just feel like if Cleveland says what they said last year about Carson, and it does appear as if they were wrong about Carson, the pressure they must be feeling in that city to not take the best player available at 12, not at one, but at 12, and take the quarterback has got to be immense. And I feel like they're going to pull the trigger, whether the general manager, Hugh Jackson, whatever, whatever they, even if they don't want to, I feel like they're going to be forced into it. And I feel like Watson is the guy that's lurking, and I feel like he's going to be the guy they take, just based on productivity, all the things you mentioned that make him really good. So would I take him there? I think it's too risky, but I think they're going to be really hard-pressed to not pull the trigger. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's what's really going to be interesting about a guy like Deshaun Watson is that, in theory, he fits the traits that that uh, they look for out at Cleveland in terms of that offense. When you look at Hugh Jackson and what he's done in terms of the run-pass option schemes, he makes a lot of sense. And then you look at a team like Arizona. Jason LaConfora from CBS just put out yesterday or earlier this week saying that Deshaun Watson it would be a big-time target for the Arizona Cardinals, possibly even in a trade-up. So that would be very, very interesting. Rob, appreciate the time, and we will, uh, we're going to get to the next call. All right, next up is Deshaun from Maryland. What's your question, Deshaun? going on Fran kind of I kind of have you know I've been doing a lot of my drafts of my own just kind of writing them up and I kind of follow you guys uh, as you guys go through the draft process I kind of look at this draft as you know I would rather the Eagles select a running back in round one and then go all defense the rest of the rounds. I mean unless you can find an offensive tackle in like the fourth round or something like that if Dalvin Cook is there at 14 I believe the Eagles need to select him and, you know, a, a good running back always changes the game. You saw that in Dallas last year. What do, what do you kind of think about that? Well, Deshaun, I think the big thing is, and obviously every every team's different in terms of how they try to execute the offense. You look at Dallas last year, and obviously they had a great situation. They had a great game plan, and obviously an extremely talented player, one of the best running backs we've seen come out in recent memory in Ezekiel Elliott. I think when you look at this draft, Obviously, there's great depth at the running back position, and that's certainly that can help. That's something that can help any team like the Eagles that's looking for a running back. I think really what you want is you want to always try and select players that are great value, and at every point, and that's why everybody wants to say best player available, best player available, best player available. You're obviously not always just selecting blindly the number one best player. You want to try and help impact and supplement what you have on your roster. But I I do think every team is going to want to try and look at, you know what, who's the best fit for what we want to do? And then also, where are they in terms of how everybody else in the league values them? You don't want to select a guy in the second or third round that would go in the seventh round or would go undrafted. And so you you take that same strategy, that same line of thinking, and you say, okay, well, if Dalvin Cook, who a lot of the buzz now, we do, ESPN's Mel Kuyper is now saying he could go round two. A lot of people, you know, you go to Josh Norris from Roto World, NBC Sports, he thinks there's a good chance he falls down to round two. I think if you look at Dalvin Cook, and if every team feels that way, if every team is getting the same information and saying, you know what, it seems like Dalvin Cook might slide, then I'll be very anxious to see where he ends up going. And if he does actually slide, we'll see. I'm very intrigued to see how the Eagles especially, obviously, look to attack this draft because it's so deep at a number of different spots. Absolutely. I mean, if Barnett's there, absolutely take him. Um, I've seen a couple mocks that have Kevin Cook. I mean, I'm sorry, Kevin King going in the first round. I don't believe he'll go in the first round. I think he's a second-round talent. Um, I think Marshawn. I mean, what do you, what do you, and also, what do you think about Gary Coleman? I don't. Is he a first-round talent or is he a second-round talent? 
Well, it's funny you ask that, Deshaun, because the first time I watched Gary and Conley, I thought, you know what, he's a nice player. I only watched a little bit of him before the combine. And I thought, nice player, not a great player. But then you go and you watch more and you watch more and you watch more and you see all those same plays and it's very repetitive. It's very consistent with him. A lot of the same mental plays where he makes a great play, great awareness, great ball skills. You see the ability to make plays in man coverage as well as in zone. He's tough. He's competitive. He's athletic. I mean, he he shows a lot of the traits that you want and he is very steady. He is very even in the way that he plays and that's something that is an admirable trait for defensive coordinators because you know what you've got out in the perimeter he's also very versatile he can play inside and outside so he definitely grew on me the more I watch I said you know what there, there's not a lot of risk with a Gary and Conley I think he can come in and be a starter earlier than a lot of people think he doesn't have the athletic upside of Marshawn Lattimore his teammate but in a lot of ways you can say Conley is better than Marshawn Lattimore and, and that's very very interesting to see uh, just those two guys and how they complement each other you mentioned Kevin King how he and Sidney Jones complemented each other I think in a lot of ways you could you could make that same comparison with King and Jones there were times watching over the last two years because I've studied both guys each of the past two seasons where I thought King was a little bit better than Jones and, and then there's it, they kind of go back and forth I'm a Kevin King fan so I kind of yeah I, I definitely agree <laughs> Great stuff, Deshaun. Let's go now to Justin and Altoona. What's up, Justin? Hey, fans. All right. So one of the things I remember hearing you guys and other people talking about the draft is that you need to balance what you need now with what you need in the future. Right now, for the most part, they seem to kind of fill it up needs for right now. So I'm kind of looking at Eagles' draft spot, and I'm kind of looking at um, really actually trading up, I'm thinking, so what guys, I'm thinking like Ruben Foster, Marshawn Lattimore, some of these like young, impactful defensive players to help out Jordan Hicks with that defense. Uh, what players are you thinking of would be really impact players for the next, you know, like six, seven, eight, nine, ten years kind of guys? Well, I think, Justin, whenever you talk about trading up and really trading down as well, all that stuff, honestly, is happening right now. All of those talks, every team in the league is talking with every other team in the league and trying to gauge, okay, if my guy falls, let's let's say they're the Eagles and you're looking at you know pick number eight, you're going to talk with the Carolina Panthers holding the eighth pick and you're going to say, okay, two weeks from now, if my guy, and I'm not going to tell you who my guy is, but let's say my guy falls to you at number eight, what would it take for us to move to number eight? And then you find that out and you, you store that information away. And now you talk to number nine, you talk to number 10. Every team is going to talk with every other team and find out, okay, if, we're gonna, if we were to move up, what would it take? And then also teams that are looking to move down, you say, okay, if, you're, if, if we were to move down to your slot, what would you be willing to give up to move up to where we are? And every team now is having those kinds of discussions so that by the time that Thursday night comes, they wanted the NFL draft. A lot of that information, a lot of that stuff has already been worked out. Now it's just finalizing. And some of those, sometimes you'll hear about, you'll hear stories about some of those terms changing last minute, where a team will try and hold out for more. But really, the, a lot of that stuff happens right now. As far as who I think is worthy of that slot, I think really, and obviously every team is going to make that decision. The Eagles are going to make that decision based off of what they need and their scheme and how they view players and all the information they've been able to gather from their individual private visits. But you know, I think honestly, uh, in terms of trying to trade up, 
I think really you have to see how the board is going to play out because there have been lots of mock drafts now uh, where you're seeing you know players like a Jonathan Allen, like a Reuben Foster, like a Marshawn Lattimore, uh, you know, all falling and even into the into the early teens. And if that's the case, you might see some very talented players be there on the board when the Eagles do select. You know, who know? And you never know with the NFL draft. Two quarterbacks could go. You have both safeties go off the board. Now all of a sudden you're looking at is a Leonard Fournette sitting there in your lap at 14? Is uh, a Jonathan Allen there? Is a Reuben Foster there? Is Marshawn Lattimore there? All of those guys can't go in the top 13, and especially if you factor in some of those wild card selections, some of those wild card positions. If O.J. Howard goes early, now all of a sudden that kind of throws things out of whack. It'll be very interesting to see how the, the draft plays out. That's why the Eagles are in a really good spot at 14 in this draft because you have that – those first couple of really elite talents. And then after that, I think everything kind of gets jumbled. And I'll be very interested to see how they decide to let it play out and let's let the draft come to them. All right. Thank you. All right. Great stuff there from Justin. Laron from Glenside, my neck of the woods. What's up, Laron? Welcome to the show. What's your question? Hey, um, my question is about um, running back uh, prospects and drafts. And I was wondering, you know, as diverse as uh, Doug Pearson's play calling appears to be in the run game, uh, what are a couple of traits or, or skills you think a running back prospect has to have absolutely to succeed with the Eagles? We learned a lot about Doug Peterson's run game in year one. And what I mean by that is you look at the variety of schemes, ton of zone scheme, a lot of gap scheme, misdirection elements. There you go into double digits in terms of the kinds of run plays that we saw from the Doug Peterson offense. We talked with uh, Jeff Schwartz, former NFL offensive lineman who played for Doug Peterson, and he talked about that very thing right here on this podcast a few weeks back. And he said, you know what, when you have a scheme like that, that really helps keep defenses on their toes. They don't know how to game plan for you, what runs they're going to see in any given week. With that being said, now you look at how this impacts the NFL draft and adding running backs to the roster. Well, now you can really kind of pick your poison in terms of what you want to add to the roster. If you look at a Christian McCaffrey, you might see a handful of plays in, in Stanford off, Stanford's offense where you say, man, McCaffrey would be a great fit here in Philadelphia. Look at these 10 plays. But then you might look at Leonard Fournette and the way that he plays, and you say, you know what? He would be a great fit in, the, in these plays in Doug Peterson's offense. Or Dalvin Cook, same thing. I can think of a number of different plays, the misdirection element, the inside zone counters, their regular counter tray play, where Dalvin Cook would be a great fit in Doug, for Doug Peterson. Same thing with all the other backs we're talking about, whether it's Samaje Pirine or James Conner or Deontay Foreman or Elijah McGuire or any of these other top running backs in this draft, all of them could potentially fit because of what we saw in this Doug Peterson offense in 2016. So really, really good question. If you guys have any more questions, again, call in 215-339-6709. All right, last question here. Sean from Virginia. What's happening, Sean? Nothing much, man. Hey, love the work. Hey, I just had a quick question uh, for you because um, I'm pretty um, set on who I think they should pick. Obviously, that's going to be a lot different from who they probably will pick, but um, I'm pretty convinced that I think it should be either um, McCaffrey or, or Foster. Now, if you're in the draft room, based off of what you've been able to see so far, if those two are available along with the next best corner, so we're assuming that Lattimore is already gone. So we're talking Connolly, King, um, you know, somebody in that realm. Um, you know, who, who are you picking and why? Well, I think really what – and this is the, the big thing with a Reuben Foster is he, he's probably – if you just go based off, uh, off the film, off of what he is on the field between the lines, he's probably a top three player in this draft, top five player in this draft. So if he were to fall to 14, I would imagine that it would stem from 
any issues that he may have away from the field if people are spooked by uh, not just the, the combine incident in a vacuum, but what that could mean in terms of him off the field in the future. Now, on the field, like I said, he is probably a top three, top five player in this draft and one of the best linebackers probably that I've evaluated over the last few years. So I think when you look at him and the potential of him falling outside the top 10, that's the decision that the teams in that area would have to make based off of the interactions they've had with him throughout the course of the process. Whereas you look at Christian McCaffrey, you're looking at a player there who can impact the game on offense and on special teams. Uh, nothing but great things you hear about him. And, and I think that that's part of why people view him as a safe selection, we'll say, in the top 25 of this draft is that you feel good about at least where his floor is in the league in terms of him being able to impact the, the, the passing game out of the backfield as well as be a, a change of pace runner. That's his floor. But I think he's also got the ceiling to be a dynamic player and a full-time primary ball carrier for an NFL offense. So I think that's the kind of the decision you have to make is if you feel comfortable with a Reuben Foster, I would say the talent is probably better. But if you don't feel comfortable with Reuben Foster from the work that you've done with him uh, away from the field and the meetings and the private visits and any kind of meetings you've had with him, whether it's at the pro day or the combine or the private visits or workouts, every team will have done all those different things with Reuben Foster. If you don't feel comfortable with him, then you're not going to pass, and that's why he would fall outside the top ten. Otherwise, he would be a surefire top five selection. So that's a really good question. Uh, thanks a lot, friend. I really appreciate it. Great stuff from all of you out there. And, again, you can always go on Twitter. You can follow me at FDuffy3. That's where I post all of the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce here at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And you know I greatly appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media. That is one way to support this show. But the other is always go on iTunes, Stitcher, give us a rating, and even leave us a comment. And I wanted to give a shout-out to someone who left a really great question on our iTunes page, and it was really a, a very thought-provoking question. I'm actually glad you went on and left that on, especially for this week, because we know uh, how important it was for us to try and reach out to you guys and get a sense of what you wanted to talk about this week. So DHW1000 wants to know, lo he loves listening to the podcast, always finds it interesting and informative. He wants to know if there's a way to slice the draft board in addition to what we discussed in the podcast. So a couple weeks ago, I broke down on this show – really the kind of the two main ways that teams will try and create a draft board, and that's based off discussions that I've had with former NFL scout Dan Hatman right here on this show, where you have your single column board and then also your horizontal board, which breaks every position up separately and tiers them. So he wants to know, is there another way to do it, such as draft tiers as described by Todd McShay from ESPN? This seems like a reasonable way to build a board. How do you see it? especially in the context of the 14th pick overall. So, DHW, appreciate the question. And really, it, I would say that the way that Todd does it, and if you check out, we had Todd on last week on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. It was a great discussion. Todd was awesome, as he always is. Uh, so you go and check that episode out if you haven't already listened to it. But Todd, he'll, he'll take each position and he will break it up into elite prospects. And, really, and that's kind of the way. It's very similar to the horizontal board that I described where you're looking at every position across the board, and then you're ranking your players, and you think of it that, that way. Going down on your horizontal board is your different stages of grades, and then going across is going to be all the different positions. Now that way you can start to 
pit players against each other. If you have an A grade on, let's say, Tredavious White, and you have an A-plus grade on a uh, Miles Garrett, well, now you can compare apples to oranges. You say, all right, well, we have A-plus on Miles Garrett. We have an A on Tredavious White. Miles Garrett's the better player. But now let's say you have that same A grade on Tredavious White, and you have a similar A grade on, let's say, Christian McCaffrey. Well, now you start to say, all right, well, who, who are we going to pick? Who's a better option for us? Who presents more value on offense, on defense, on special teams? And you start to weigh other factors in. And I think that's the way that Todd's tier system works as well, where you're really kind of pitting all these guys together on separate tiers regardless of position. So great question there from DHW. Glad you asked it over on our iTunes page. And, again, that is the best way to support the show. Gets more eyeballs on it, gets more ears uh, onto the show, and really helps to spread the word on the show. So wherever you listen, just go on, leave us a comment. All right, let's keep this show going. I told you earlier that I would get to my notes on a really intriguing prospect of your choosing. So let's get to that player now in our scouting report. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the scouting report. All right, so this week for Scouting Report, I, was, I thought we'd talk about Clemson running back Wayne Gallman. And you know this was brought to me by Scott Wilson, at Scott Wilson underscore 107 on Twitter. And he really wanted to know about Gallman's strengths, his weaknesses, and how he would fit here in Philadelphia. And Gallman's a guy that I've watched now for the last three years. Obviously, Clemson's offense is, is super talented, so many players on that offense. And Gallman has kind of been on the radar for me for quite some time. He was a redshirt junior this year, so he's been uh, a starter now for three years for head coach Dabo Swinney. Uh, was a second-team All-ACC selection this year. He almost entered the draft last year in 2016, and you've got a guy with pretty good size, six foot and a half, 215 pounds. He's got pretty long arms. I mean, he's well-built for the position. And again, a three-year starter, lined up mostly in one-back sets, in the shotgun, a lot of zone run schemes in that Clemson offense. Long, angular frame. He can bring a power element to an offense. He runs a little bit high, but when he lowers his shoulder, he can run through contact as well as most backs in this class. Very competitive runner. He fights for every yard he gets, and he does a good job protecting the football. I told you, I've watched him the last few years. 18 total games I've studied. He's put the ball on the ground two times, and one of them was on a pitch that bounced off his chest. So he does a really good job with ball security as a ball carrier. Has a little bit of wiggle to him, and he can shake a defender in the hole, and he's improved in every facet on third down. He's turned into a, a solid receiver out of the backfield after struggling with drops earlier in his career, and he has also developed into a much better blocker since I first started studying him in 2014. He'll lunge a little bit at times, but he's very reliable in pass pro, and he can be downright dominant at times. So a guy that can certainly come in and provide some value on third down, that's Wayne Gallman, and he was used in so many different ways. He was moved around the formation a little bit. He did have a wildcat package so you saw that they want to get him the football in his hands I think really the big thing with him is is that while he did run a lot of zone schemes I thought he was a little bit better in some of their gap concepts I thought when things were well defined for him he was a little bit better just sticking his foot in the ground and getting downhill and I think that's where Gallman really brings his value is his ability to run between the tackles keep things very easily defined and let him hit the hole and hit it hard and he will run hard compared to some of the other backs in his class I would say athletically he's not outstanding he leaves a little bit to be desired he will take some time to gather his feet when he gets north-south, and he's not a burner in the open field. But I think he's got enough athleticism, certainly, to be an impact player at the NFL level. I'm really, really excited about Wayne Gallman, what Wayne Gallman can be at the next level. I've compared him in the past to guys like James Starks, guys like Bernard Pierce, who I got to see up close and personal throughout the majority of his career at Temple. I think Gallman is a really long, physical back 
He's got the ability to win between the tackles. He can impact third down. Is he a, a starting back? Maybe not. I think in an ideal world, he's probably a really good number two for most NFL teams, but he's got the ability to play on Sundays, and I'm excited about what Gonlin can be in the future, even though he will be more of a backup in my mind. I, I'm a big fan of Wayne Gallman. So uh, that's how I feel about Wayne Gallman. Appreciate the question, as always, from all of you out there. And, again, check in on our iTunes page, our Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen. You go on, you leave us a comment, and that is the number one way to support this show. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I'm Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.